Welcome to Conversations About Government in Iowa. This Iowa Legislative Services Agency audio program consists of interviews conducted by the Fiscal Services Division staff. Each brief conversational interview features an expert answering questions concerning a topic of interest within an Iowa State agency. The following interview was conducted on Thursday, September 26, 2019. Jennifer Acton, Division Administrator with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency, interviewed Joan Arnett, Chief Tour Guide Supervisor Supervisor and Legislative Information Officer. The interview is centered around Joan Arnett's career as a tour guide at the Iowa State Capitol for the past 43 years. Some topics discussed include how the Capitol has changed from the time she first started to present, including various stories and memories from the past. Hello, my name is Jennifer Acton with the Fiscal Services Division. Today I'm here to interview Joan Arnett, Tour Guide Supervisor at the Iowa State Capitol. Welcome, Joan, and thanks for coming to the interview today. Thanks for asking me. You've been a tour guide for the last 43 years. I have. And I would like to start basically at the very beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about you, your childhood? You're from the east side of Des Moines, from what I understand, and you went to East High, but could you tell me a little bit about growing up around the Capitol and the neighborhood? I did grow up around this area. My grandparents lived around here. My great-grandparents lived around this area. So I remember being around the Capitol from a very, very young age. Our church actually sat directly behind the building that we're in now, is the old Wesley Methodist Church. So we came to this area every week to go to church and to see my grandparents. When I was very young, before I started school, I remember going into the Capitol building and coming here to the Miller building, which of course was then the historical building. And we would do that really on a weekly basis. We were just always kind of in this area. I remember looking around the Capitol and then as I grew up, as an older person during the high school years, of course we would come here basically just to have a fun place to come over and run around, but we would also come over because we were interested. I remember that a great many of my friends would go downtown to shop. They would get on the bus and go downtown after school. But I had a group of friends and we would just come over to the Capitol building. I remember looking at the Civil War flags. I remember looking in the House and Senate rather than going downtown and shopping. So it's always been a part of my life. The Capitol building did not really strike me as a place to work. I never thought about it, never, you know, had a desire to work here. In 1976, my then boss, Sugar McCauley, called and said, I got your name from a friend of yours. She worked here during your high school years. We're looking for a tour guide. Are you interested? And I said, sure. I wasn't working at the time. I was looking for a job. And I said, sure, I'd be interested. So I came into work and I talked to Sugar McCauley and she told me to come back the next day and after I had worked for about three or four days I filled out an application and that's how I started working at the Capitol. I only did dome tours back then. We used to go up into the dome on the hour so I started just doing that. So basically I was hired not because I had any knowledge but only because I had legs that worked. Most of the staff that worked here at that time were, well, from my very young vision, they seemed like older people. Now that I'm an older person, I realize they really weren't that old. But they didn't like going up to the dome, so they would do the tours of the building, and then I would run to the dome. So I did that several times a day, usually at least six, sometimes many more than that. So that's my introduction to the Capitol. 
And I did that for about six months. And then the summer came. The legislature was not done yet, believe it or not. They were still in session, but summer came. And it had been the tradition to hire on summer guides. And they hired them on as full-time employees, doing both tours of the building and tours up into the dome. And so I put in an application for that and just kind of transitioned over into a full-time employee doing both. And I've been here ever since. It's impressive. So when you walk into the Capitol, the tour guide's desk is on the ground floor. Back when you first started, where were the tour guides located? Tour guides were on the first floor. We were in the rotunda. We had a desk that sat there, and that was pretty much it. We just had a desk and a telephone, and that was the location of the tour guides. We worked out of there. There were four tour guides who did the building tours. That was Sugar McCauley, Ann Larson, Mary Ann Van Loo. And for the life of me, I can't remember the fourth person's name. But I worked with those ladies for a very long time. The executive council was actually in charge of the tour guides. And how that came about, and you know executive council is governor, you know, auditor, treasurer, secretary of state. Every one of those offices hired their own person. So that's how tour guides came in. So they actually worked for an individual office within the executive council. And so we were under the executive council secretary who at that point was Wes Wellman. And Wes Wellman had an office down on the ground floor in the, in the south hallway. And it was a fairly large office. Back in those days, executive council had a lot of authority. And they really kind of handled everything around the Capitol and everything around the Capitol complex. So we worked for the executive council. Very short period of time, they created what they then called general services. There was an area division called buildings and grounds. So we were kind of under that division. So we went under general services, which is now a part of DAS, Department of Administrative Services. Executive Council to general services. And then we moved under the legislature in 1981. That happened because we got fired. <laughs> I know, it's kind of a funny story. Stan McCausland was the director of general services. And Stan McCausland had his budget cut. And Stan McCausland was not happy about his budget cut. And so he just figured that that was the best way to get back at the legislature was to cut the thing in their building that they would notice the most. So he cut the tour guide program. We got our pink slips. We were given a final date to come in. And there was a legislator who got wind of that and just basically kind of picked us up. He came to our rescue and introduced a bill on the floor and they debated where we would put the the tour guides and we went under, back then, the House of Representatives and we worked under Del Stromer. He was the Speaker of the House for a while. And then I think it was decided that it was just better to put us under an agency where we were shared. And that's when we went under Legislative Services Bureau back then. And then of course now that's become Legislative Services Agency. So I've had many different bosses through the years. Yes, many different agencies, yes. <laughs> so when you look at the Capitol, being here through all that time, what are the biggest changes that you've noticed? Oh, well, one, the physical look of the Capitol building. When I came in, the building had fallen into disrepair. We had not done a good job of taking care of the Capitol. It was ugly, it was dark, and it was dirty. 
and restoration painting was something that they had kind of started. They were doing it by contract. And then in 1976, the state of Iowa hired Jerry Miller as a full-time restoration painter. And so restoration became kind of an ongoing thing, just the painting in the Capitol, so just the decorative work on the walls. It wasn't until 1983 that they started with the exterior renovations, and that was due to stone literally falling off the building. The white decorative stone on the building was originally blue sandstone, and it was crumbling. It was literally falling off in chunks. And they had installed uh, canopies out all the doors of the Capitol to prevent people from getting hit by these chunks of stone. One of the stones came down and landed on a justice's car, and that's when they really started working uh, diligently to repair the outside. So we started that in 83, and then in the mid-1990s, uh, late 1990s, it was decided that they were gonna update the mechanicals in the building. So they knew that we needed to install computer lines. You know, you, I came into a building where we had no computers. You know, every phone had a line that ran through the walls. And so it was a very different building now. But they wanted to update the phone lines. They wanted to put in computer lines. They wanted to run new electrical lines. They had to put in a sprinkler system in the building. And of course, when they start working in the building like that, they have to make it ADA compliant. So there was a lot of work that was going on in the building. And at that point in time, they had to go into areas and basically just gut them. And when it came time to put the areas back together, the decision was made rather than to just put back what ugly thing would have been there to actually go through the restoration process. So we started in a building that, when I first came, would have been all white walls. There was no decorative work that showed in any office, any hallway. It was just plain white walls and woodwork that hadn't been finished in years. And again, like I say, it was dirty. I mean, we just didn't even really clean the building really well. And it was just a dramatic change once we went through those renovations. I think now people have a great pride in our capital and they do a very good job of keeping it up. But that wasn't the case when I came in. At the tour guide's desk, you have those display cases that over time, through all the restorations, you found pieces of the past hidden behind the walls. Have you been able to change that out to get everything that you've wanted to show throughout that time? Or are there still some hidden gems that we haven't seen yet? Oh, no, there's still some hidden gems. There are some items that have been salvaged through the renovations that are much too large to fit in those cases. I have one original 4x4 that actually supported some of the not a pulley system, but some of the original system for the elevator. Um, so this was a 4x4 that would have gone across the shaft in the very, very top in the attic area. And of course, it's huge. It's much too large to fit in those cases. We have large wooden boxes that were salvaged that contained bottles of non-alcoholic beer. And again, that's another thing. We have bottles of non-alcoholic beer, so do you display those kinds of things? We have more than one pouch of tobacco that was found. And again, you know, you have to make those decisions. We have displayed those. Clumps of horse hair. I mean, these massive clumps of 140-year-old horse hair, if you can imagine what that looks like. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's not very attractive. And as much as I would love to display it, the reaction from everybody that sees it is like, oh, what is that? It's just kind of a gross clump of hair. 
dead bugs in it and all kinds of things. Bottles of whiskey, those kinds of things. So we'll never be able to display those. But it's just some of the things that I have squirreled away in the attic. So, And they're still working in the building. They're still oh, right. finding things. The last renovations that they did up in the dome, they brought me down so many things. In fact, I just put some of those in the display case not too long ago. So we have like a lipstick case that was found up in the dome. A little box of uh, Turkish cigarettes. I have no idea how that got into the dome of the Iowa Capitol. Candy wrappers, lots and lots of candy wrappers, like from candy bars. Right. Just fun things like that. Um, so we have those on display now. Pieces of clothing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so in the past, the Capitol, from what I understand, had a shoe shine station. It did. And the elevators had people who ran the elevators for you with the doors that closed. What other things do you remember over time that you've seen in the Capitol that have changed out now? Um, we did have a shoe shine person off and on for many years, and I honestly don't know whatever happened to that person. I'm sure you probably remember them from the time you came I do. Here. Yes. Yeah. It hasn't been that many years since that person was there. This is an individual, of course. I mean, they're, they're self-employed. They're not, the state of Iowa is not finding somebody to come in there and work. So I have a feeling that we've just kind of lost that as a profession. I think we just don't have people that do shoe shines anymore. Yeah. The elevators, they were fun because you had to close the gate and of course you had to close the door. But the fun part was is that you had to learn to get them to stop right on the floor. If you've ever been in an old elevator like that, you know it's not just push a button and it automatically goes there. You have to make it stop right where it's supposed to stop. Because we were in the building on weekends, we had to learn how to run the elevators so that we could make them stop where they were supposed to stop because the elevator operators didn't work on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, wow. So that was part of your job? Do you that know? was part of our job. We just had to know how to do that. One, for people who might need the elevators, and two, just because you're in a hurry. You just want to <laughs> hop on the elevator and you know get where you're going. So you just learn to run the elevator. Secretary of Agriculture used to be in the Capitol. They were at the far end on the north, where some of our offices are now, LSA, down on the ground floor. That was uh, where you would get restaurant licenses, so that was part of agriculture also. And of course, the Attorney General was in the building when I started because we hadn't built Wallace or, or Hoover Building. And the Attorney General's office had the space in the east end of the Capitol. So we have caucus office there now, and we also have a committee room on the south side, but that would have been attorney general's area when I first started. On the south end, now where we have room 116, that room was actually divided. And the east side of it was the attorney general's office, or some of the attorney general's staff. And the west side of it was the treasurer's private office. They had oh, really? reconfigured the building so that when you walked in the treasurer's office in the south hallway, you actually walked through an area that used to be their vault. You walked through this vault and you came out in the east hallway and that was the treasurer's private office. So Mo Berenger was the treasurer back then. And we have the Murphy bed from the old Supreme Court area. Have you seen that? The old Murphy bed, yes. And that was in Mo Beringer's office. Really? Yeah, the Supreme Court didn't seem to really want to hang on to that. And he was just kind of a person that was very interested in history. So he kind of latched on to that, and that was in his office for quite some time.
in the legislative dining room. Right. There's a vault off to the, as you're walking off to the uh-huh. left. Whose vault was that? The legislative dining room used to be, we're going way back, back when yes. the building was completed. In the 1880s, the legislative dining room would have been the lower office for the land office. We had a state land office in the Capitol building, which now on first floor is occupied by the treasurer, but back then it would have been the land office and they had a business office below that. It was connected by an internal stairway. We had lots of those in the building. And of course they would have also had a vault. So that was the original floor plan. When I came, it was the legislative dining room, but the back room, what we call 15.4 now, or what people refer to as Craig and Bob's back office, yes. and where Craig and Bob are, was actually a kitchen. The legislators oh, really? had their own kitchen. So we had a cafeteria out in the rotunda, and that was for everyone else in the building, but the legislators had their own kind of cafeteria line. They didn't have to go through the line that we went through. Oh, interesting. So when you came over here as a kid in high school, we have capital security and we have a lot of locked doors, but back then, like these back staircases, were they open or were they not available? I don't remember going into a lot of those areas when I came in high school, but I do remember going into them when I would come with my dad when I was very young. So I remember going into the attic because, yeah, the elevator operator had to let you off at that level but I remember them being very willing to do that. And we would go into the attic with my dad. We would go into the sub-basement. Those doors weren't locked. So I remember being down there when I was quite small. I don't remember really being in any of the back stairways in the offices, except the one that runs from the old Supreme Court room up to the library. And that one I do remember going up and down. Did your dad work in the Capitol too? Or he just came over and explained? My dad just came over. My dad was, is, an avid reader. So he spent a lot of time in the library here. He would go to the public library and read everything they had in the public library, and then he would come here. And so we would come to the library here a lot. And then, of course, we'd just say, you know, Dad, come on, let's go to the Capitol. So we could run to the top of the dome. Back in those days, of course, it was open. And I remember running up and down those steps with my sister. And we'd do it several times in a row. And I remember my dad, I'd say, come on, Dad, let's go again, let's go again. And he'd say, no. And I think, why doesn't he want to go up there again? I just didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it. You know, yeah. It's like, okay, I get why he didn't go up there. But my uncle also, this would be my dad's brother, lived in San Diego. And he would come back here to visit, of course, every summer. Because not only did his only brother live here, but his wife was from here too. And it's a long story. His wife is my mom's cousin, so kind of all connected. Sure. But he would come up and take all the seeds off the flowers. So he would collect seeds and he would take them back to San Diego. So every flower that he had growing in San Diego actually came from flowers that we had growing here on the Capitol grounds. Again, back to a time when we had the viaduct, 
that went across Court Avenue. Oh, that's right. And that viaduct, of course, was heavily planted. It was beautiful. We had flower beds all around the Capitol. It was absolutely gorgeous back then. Of course, we had a full-time gardener. In fact, we probably had more than one at that time. When I came on, I think we had three. Okay. We had three people who did nothing but plant flowers on the Capitol grounds and take care of them. But back then, we probably had more. So for the last 43 years, Looking back over all the tours you've given and all the people you've spoken to, can you tell me some of your favorite memories? Oh boy, there are so many that I forget them. Sure. Until you're having a conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden it'll come to mind and it's like, oh yeah, I remember that time. But I did try and just kind of think about the things that have happened there. One of my favorite memories is many, many years ago, we had the key to the upper dome. And it really wasn't regulated. There weren't a lot of people that went up and down those steps. So on occasion, if we had people that we wanted to get up there, we could take them up. No one really cared. There was a gentleman that came in and he was 100 years old. And he had his son who was about 80 and his grandson who was about 60. And he was talking about when he lived around the Capitol building and that he had lived in a flat very close to here and he remembered being there. And so I took him up to the very top of the dome and he made the climb without any difficulty. While we were climbing, he told me that he had picked up a new hobby, something that he had not done in his younger years, but he had started learning and practicing when he was about 90, 91, and he was golfing. So he had learned to golf in his 90s and this man was in fantastic shape. So we got to the top of the dome and he was looking around and he said, I remember where I lived was right there. The flat that I lived in was right there. And I asked him what year and he told me and I realized that we had the photographs from the Capital Extension Project. So these were the photographs that were taken in 1913. Uh -huh. And so I took him back downstairs and got out those photographs and he was able to point out right there, right there, right there is where I lived. Now keep in mind, this was years ago, you know, so <laughs> I'm thinking, you're thinking, wow, a hundred years old, but this would have been back in the, oh gosh, I want to say probably maybe 1990, I don't know how long ago it was. So he's one of those memorable people. Another one was a gentleman who was with the Vatican and he came in and again, back in the days when we were allowed to give a tour to just one person, so I was with him and all by myself, and he was a fascinating man. I asked him what his position was in the Vatican, and I don't remember the exact title that he held, but I asked him where that was, and he said that he was like fifth from the Pope. And he was in love with our building, in love with our building. He was so fascinated with our building, and I kept thinking, my gosh, this guy lives in the Vatican. I mean, talk about beautiful buildings. And at the end of the tour, I was with him for a very long time. At the end of the tour, he just said, well, you have such a beautiful building here. He said, this would rival anything that we have in Europe. And I remember that very well. The Attorney General under Bush, Gonzalez, you remember toward the end of his time that he left kind of in a hurry. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to tour our capital, and so he made contact with us. And it was actually the Secret Service that contacted me and said that we, he wanted to come to the capital, he wanted to take a tour. And 
the first thing they asked me is that I had to find a room that had no windows. They had to know a room where there were no windows because they needed a safe place before they would bring him in the building. And that was memorable. I'd never been asked for that before. <laughs> Find us a room with no windows. And I'm thinking, well, we have closets. That's about the best I can do. Every room has a window. But he came in, and I took him around the Capitol. Very, very nice man. Very, very interested. And at the end of the short time we had, I said to him, why don't you come back when you have more time? And he said, I will very soon, because he had been fired from his job. <laughs> and I thought, maybe that wasn't my best choice of things to say. I wasn't really thinking that when I said it to him. I was honestly thinking, come back when you have more time, because we were really in a hurry. But that was a good one. Well, are there any other things you would like to share or add to our conversation today? So many things through the years. There just really have been so many things. It's a great place to work. I think everybody that works in the Capitol gets that. Uh, I think it's a place that kind of latches on to you. If you've ever noticed through the years, people come to work at the Capitol and they may go to different agencies or they you know, may move around to different offices, but something holds them there. Or they're legislators and then they become lobbyists or there's just a connection there. There's something about the Capitol that holds people there. It is very unique. You can't go anywhere else in the state of Iowa and find the kind of environment that we work in. And it's just constantly changing. You come into a building and you think, oh my goodness, this building's been here for 140 years. What new thing can there be? But there always is a new thing. There's always something new and different. And just last week, training new tour guides. Again, you think you've seen everything, you've noticed it all, there's not one detail you've missed. We were standing at the bottom of the main stairway, we were looking at the statues there at, on the stairway at the Newell Posts. I don't know if you know the story about those statues, but they were designed for Illinois and then given to us and then Illinois wanted them back and we told them no and so they copied them. So anyway, we were talking about that, telling the story. And I looked at them and I realized that on the feet of these statues, which I had always kind of assumed were just bare feet, that there was actually a very, very intricate design as if they had on these beautiful sandals. Oh, really? And I had never noticed it before. Next time you I come in the building, look at those the feet of those statues. I don't know how many times I have stood there, how many times I've touched them, how many times I've walked by them, and I've never, ever noticed it. So that's the kind of thing that kind of keeps me coming back. There's always something new, always right. something new to learn. So anyway, that's all I can remember today. Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. These have been wonderful stories that you shared with us. And maybe we will chat again. Yes, that would be great. Yeah.